Hi, welcome back to Idgits and Aspects, a supernatural podcast. I'm Lynn. And I'm Rochelle. And I have three animals over here with me right now. There's two dogs and a cat. So you'll probably, as you can hear, probably right now, you'll probably hear some walking around and like yowling. Steve has decided that the back door is the new exit that he wants to take all the time because yeah. he's had a couple escapee moments. And so... <laughs> He like sometimes we'll just go back there and start like scratching at the back door and just howling. <laughs> so I oh. doesn't start doing that in the middle of the podcast, but I can't guarantee anything. Okay. So there might be some just craziness on my end and I'm hoping not, but whatever, we'll go with it. <laughs> okay. Steve's just trying to be part of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, he's always a little bit part of it because he always at some point comes up and starts yelling at me for something. But mm-hmm. it's usually because he like wants to sit in my lap. It's not the incessant like scratching and screeching at the back door that like let yeah. me out. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, whatever. So but. when he does like when he does go out, does he just like run and keep running, or does he like go just a minute, like for a second and then be like, oh my god, I'm outside and like. So breathe. he's not supposed to be outside, but yeah. he has escaped a couple of times. And when he does, he does. He's kind of afraid of the outside, so he just like you know, goes to like close to the house, you know, and just kind of sits there and goes, I don't know what I just did. You know, I see. But there has been a couple of times like where I'll have him out and he'll be on his leash or whatever. Yeah. And if something scares him, he tries to take off running. Okay. And it's like a good while of me trying to like calm him down. And he's just like flopping like a fish on the end of the line, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of like, uh, I think if something were to scare him, he would take off and I wouldn't see him, you know? Yeah. So there's that. And I don't want to lose my cat. So right. Anyways, but yeah, it it might be a madhouse over here, but it should be okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, today we were talking about season six, episode 17 called my heart will go on. We start out in Chester, Pennsylvania, inside a man's garage. He opens the door and holds it up with a plank, then starts working on a piece of metal with a hammer. He says, piece of crap. He goes to drink his beer, which is not where he left it. He finds it on the table behind him and then knocks over a jar of nails. He says, ah, damn it. In the process of grabbing a broom to sweep up the nails, he moves a skateboard, which he steps on and almost stabs his eyes out with some gardening shears. Which is awful, by the way. Yeah. I don't like eyeball stuff and just the thought of it kind of was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was very close. So um, then he knocks over some golf balls, steps on some and falls down with his head right under the garage door. One golf ball bounces onto a mouse trap, which closes, making the ball fly and hit the plank holding the door open. The plank falls and the door comes down on the man's neck, killing him. Okay. Like I would have been out of there after the beer moving. <laughs> Yeah, that was a very final destination sequence, (laughs) you know? Yeah, like, I would, like, yeah, after the beer moving, I would have been right out of there. If I would have stayed, the skateboard would have been enough. I would have been like, I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah, that was kind of an amazing sequence, I thought. So um, we get our opening title sequence. Then we cut to Bobby at his desk drinking. Sam and Dean are watching him from the entryway to the kitchen. Sam whispers to Dean, say something. Dean whispers, no, you. Sam whispers, no, you. (laughs) They they play rock, paper, scissors. Sam picks paper and Dean picks scissors. Um, Dean smirks about it. 
Sam says, uh, Bobby says, you two just going to stand there like the ugly girl at the prom or you're going to pitch in? <laughs> the so-called Eve, mother of whatever, ain't going to gank herself. What's wrong with you? What are you, my wife now? Dean says, I'm just saying that, you know, taking five might be a good thing. Bobby says, for whom? Sam says, look, Bobby, it was tough for all of us seeing Rufus go like that. Bobby says, you think this? This ain't about Rufus. Dean says, Bobby, he wasn't just a poker buddy. Bobby says, you know when I knew Rufus was done for? The day I met him. The only question was, who first, him or me? Now you want to stand there and therapize, or do you want to get me some coffee? Make it Irish. <laughs> so Sam and Dean walk into the kitchen. Dean says, well, he's doing fantastic. Sam says, yeah, this isn't about Rufus at all. Dean says, well, what do you want to do? I mean, we can't just sit here and watch him poop out his liver. <laughs> that Sam sounds says, awful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> like, ugh. Sam says, well, we could get him out of the house. There's a job. Dean says, really? What have you got? Sam shows Dean a newspaper clipping and, and says, look, Chester, Pennsylvania, three people got kicked uh, off in the last week, all freaky. Last guy got karate chopped by his garage door, and these are all <laughs> blood relatives. Dean says, what are you thinking, family curse? Sam says, could be. Dean says, hey, Grumpy. Uh, sorry, no, Dean says, hey, Grumpy, to Bobby, who has walked up behind him. Bobby says, I don't want to do crap. Leave me alone. Just get out of my house, both of you. You're driving me nuts. Dean says, Bobby. Bobby says, now, for the love of Pete. So Sam and Dean go to their car, which is a black Mustang with two brown stripes. It has the Impala's license plate. They get in. Sam says, you know, maybe we should wait till she gets back. Dean says, dude, she just called from the road. She said she'd be here in two shakes. You really want to sit around and smell him stew in his juices? <laughs> Sam says, yeah, drive. So we cut to inside Bobby's kitchen. He pours another drink, and someone holding a shotgun uses the gun to move his hand away from the drink. Bobby says, what the? And it's Ellen. I love Ellen. <laughs> I love Ellen. She says, tell me you haven't been drinking this whole time. Bobby says, you're worse than the boys. I'm working. Ellen says, my God, I'm gone a week, and this place goes completely to hell. What is wrong with you, Bobby Stinger? Bobby says, get a pen. It's a long list. <laughs> Ellen says, you smell like a bar. You know that? Bobby says, you don't exactly smell like a rose yourself. Jeez. Ellen, I know. God. Love Ellen says, Bobby. <laughs> I know. Ellen says, yeah, I've been hunting with Joe. What's your excuse? Bobby says, if I need one, I got a good one. Ellen says, I know, and I'm so sorry. You meant a lot to me, too. Go wash up. I'll fix it something. Bobby says, anyone ever tell you you're a pain in the ass? <laughs> Ellen kisses Bobby on the cheek and says, that's why you married me. Go. So Bobby goes to clean up and says, don't tell me what to do, Ellen. <laughs> okay, so they're married. They're so cute. He's so grumpy, too. She's like, listen, I'm not putting up with your shit. <laughs> Just go do this. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. The whole time he's doing it, but he's doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I remember the first time I saw this episode, I was like, wait a minute. Their car is not their car. Ellen is alive and married to Bobby and Joe is alive and hunting and what in the hell is happening? <laughs> um, okay, so we cut to the garage in Chester, Pennsylvania, where the guy had the garage door incident. Sam and Dean look around with flashlights. Dean turns on the EMF reader and says, not a bleep. Sam says, well, not a vengeful spirit then. So what is it? Sam finds a golden string on the floor and says, huh. Dean says, what you got? What is it? Christmas tinsel? <laughs> Sam says, I don't know. It's gold. Dean says, you mean like gold gold? Sam says, why would a handyman have gold just lying around in his garage? 
Jean says, I don't know. There is definitely a skeleton in this family's closet. I mean, accidents <laughs> don't just happen accidentally. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I love that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam says, all right, how about I go check the family records? You go with next of kin. Dean says, yeah. So we cut to inside of a man named Russo's office. He gets up the, off the phone and says to Dean, uh, I'm sorry, what department? Dean says, genealogy from the university. We're doing a study on local families. And while the Russos are, Russo says, yeah, well, you know what? I got to tell you, I'm extremely busy right now. So Dean says, yeah, I'm sure you've had a rough week. I read about the recent tragedies. Your cousins, right? Russo says, yeah, it's a shame, but I'm not that close with my family. So is this going to take long? Dean says, no, five minutes, five minutes. Uh, Can you tell me anything noteworthy about the Russos? He says, noteworthy? No, I mean, not exactly average, you know, big from Italy. Dean says, I see. Uh, Was anyone ever killed or maimed in a war or, you know, some other violent thing? Russo says, what do you mean? Dean says, like something so dark it would fully or it would sully future generations. (laughs) Russo says, "Uh, no. Dean says, good, good stuff. Uh, anyone own a slave? <laughs> Russo says, what? Dean says, routine question. Any ties to the Nazi party? Russo says, excuse me? Dean says, did grandma ever piss off a gypsy? <laughs> Russo says, okay, you know what? I don't know what kind of study you're doing, but it's over right now. So if you don't mind, Dean says, okay, I'll just cut to the chase here. Your life is in danger. Russo says, what? What is this? A threat? Are you threatening me? Dean says, no, no, no. I'm not threatening you. I'm just simply saying that if you don't watch your back, you're going to die. He needs some help on delivery. (laughs) Yes, he does. Russo says, get out of my office. Dean says, okay. Russo says, now. So Dean leaves. So we cut to outside Russo's office. Dean calls Sam. Sam says, find anything? Dean says, "Uh, one ass hat and a shiny suit. You? Sam says, not much. Great grandparents born in Calabria, immigrated in 1912, been here ever since. Dean says, what, no severed horse head? Sam says, four generations of picket fence. Dean says, if these people are the Waltons, then why the hell are they dying? So we cut to inside a travel agent's office. Uh, There's a woman there. She's on the phone. She says, well, how about Cuba? It's beautiful this time of year. And the new Trump casino. Amazing. Don't worry about the kids. There's a wave pool. Oh, sure, yeah. Suddenly, time stops and Atropos walks in. I'm not sure if I said that right. We looked that up even to see how to say Atropos, it. Atropos, I, I think. Atropos. Okay, I'm going to try and remember that. So Atropos walks in. She takes the keys out of the woman's purse and drops them under the coffee machine. The woman says, look, if you like cigars, sure, or the circus, it's all about Havana. Yeah, I've seen the Shatner ads, but you know what they don't have? Personal touch. Okay, then I'll email you some details. You too. She hangs up and looks for her keys in her purse. She pats down her pockets, then turns around and finds her keys on the floor between the coffee machine and a shelf. She picks them up and accidentally knocks over a vase of flowers, spilling water on the coffee machine and making it fritz. She presses some buttons to try and stop it, then bends over it to unplug it from the wall. While she's leaning over the coffee machine, it turns on and her silk scarf gets caught. The scarf is pulled into the coffee machine and the woman gets strangled and dies. Okay. Again, final destination moment, but <laughs> I, I would not be pushing buttons and shit if the copy machine was like fritzing like that. I would no. back away from it slowly. If anything, I would just try and unplug it. I don't even think I would do that. I mean, well, I would do that if it wasn't behind the copy machine, Let the plug is behind the copy machine in this case. Yeah. So I don't think I'd do that. Yeah, I think honestly, like that's probably 
I would just be like, um, somebody, <laughs> you know, like, I know I would just back away from it and wait for it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably try and like unplug it to an extent, but I don't know how much I would dedicate, you know, uh, a lot of effort to the cause if it was like really freaking out, but <laughs> yeah. Atropos walks back into the room and opens a book. A gold thread falls onto the ground. She crosses out a name in the book and then walks away. So we cut to the office at nighttime. Sam and Dean are looking around with flashlights. Dean says, Anne Whitting, you're sure she's not a Russo, a second cousin twice removed or something? Sam says, no, I checked the records twice. She's not related. Dean says, well, if this isn't a family curse, then what the hell is it? Sam says, you got me. I got nothing. Dean finds the golden thread on the floor and says, hold on, not nothing. So we cut to the boys in the motel room. Sam is on the computer. Dean is on the phone with Ellen. Dean says, so we found another piece of this, I don't know, shiny string thing. Ellen said, oh, I was afraid of that. Dean says, why? What's up? Ellen says, oh, these so-called accidents. We're seeing them nationwide, about 75 so far. I got Joe and her crew working on a cluster in California. Bobby opens a beer and Ellen takes it away from him. Bobby <laughs> says, hey, hey, hey. Dean says, blood relatives? Ellen says, some yeah, some no. She's got about, what do you, uh, this is awkward. Here, let me read that again. <laughs> Ellen says, some yeah, some no. She's got about what you do, pile of bodies and a whole bunch of gold thread. She's got about what you do. There we go. Pile <laughs> of bodies and a bunch of gold thread. Dean says, so what's it mean? Ellen says, I don't know. I got Bobby working on it right now. Dean says, how's he doing, by the way? Ellen says, oh, don't worry. I'm kicking his ass back to health and happiness. Bobby says, who asked you to? To hell with you. And he leaves the room. <laughs> Go away, you're not my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dean says, I heard that. Ellen says, he'll be okay. Dean says, are you okay? Ellen says, oh, honey, you're sweet. You know me. I just worry about you boys. Dean says, yeah, well, all right. So all these corpses, anything relate them? Ellen says, well, actually, I did dig up one thing. I just don't know what to make of it. Dean says, hit me. Ellen says, well, it's a weird one, and it was buried pretty deep, but Bobby and me were coming through the family trees on all the victims, and we started seeing, well, the families all came over to America the same year, uh, 1912, but here's the weird part. They all came over on the same boat. Dean says, really? Ellen says, yep. Dean says, all right, so what's so special about the boat? Ellen says, nothing. It was a boat. It did what boats do. Dean says, what was it called? Ellen says, the Titanic. Did you ever hear of it? Dean says, no. Ellen says, yeah, me neither. I'll keep digging. Dean says, all right. And then Dean hangs up the phone. Dean says to Sam, does the name Titanic ring a bell? Sam says, Titanic? No. So Sam does some research and says, the RMS Titanic was the largest passenger steamship in the world when it made its maiden voyage across the North Atlantic in 1912. Dean says, so what's the big freaking deal? It's a ship. It sailed. Sam <laughs> says, yeah, I don't know. Um, it looks like there was a close call. Ship almost hit an iceberg. Dean says, almost? So, Sam says, so it looks like the first mate spotted it just in time. Dean says, good for him. Is there anything else? Sam says, wait a second. Dean says, what? Sam says, uh, this first mate, Mr. I.P. Freely. <laughs> <laughs> Dean says, well, that's not suspicious. You got a picture of old Freely? Sam finds a picture and says, oh, you got to be kidding me. I.P. Freely is the angel Baltazar. <laughs> Dean says, let's see, Balthazar. So Sam and Dean do a spell to summon Balthazar. He appears and says, boys, 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 whatever can I do for you? Dean says, we need to talk. 
Balthazar says, oh, you seem upset, Dean. Dean says, the hell with the boat, Balthazar. Balthazar says, what boat? Sam says, the Titanic. Balthazar says, oh yeah, the Titanic. Yes, well, it was meant to sink and I saved it. Sam says, what? Balthazar says, well, it was meant to bash into this iceberg thing and plunge into the briny deep with all this hoopla and I saved it. Anything else I can answer for you? Sam says, why? Balthazar says, why what? Dean says, why did you unsink the ship? Balthazar says, oh, because I hated the movie. Dean says, what movie? Balthazar says, exactly. <laughs> Sam says, wait, so you saved a cruise liner because... Balthazar says, because that god-awful Celine Dion song made me want to smite myself. <laughs> Sam says, who's Celine Dion? Balthazar says, oh, she's a destitute lounge singer somewhere in Quebec, and let's keep it that way, please. <laughs> Sam says, okay, I didn't think that was possible. I thought you couldn't change history. Balthazar says, oh, haven't you noticed? There's no more rules, boys. Sam says, wow, the nerve on you. So you just, what, unsink a giant boat? Balthazar says, oh, come on, I saved people. I thought you loved that kind of thing. <laughs> Sam says, yeah, but now those people and their kids and their kids' kids, they must have interacted with so many other people, changed so much crap. You totally butterfly effect history. Dean says, dude, dude, rule one, no Kucha references. <laughs> Balthazar says, I guess, unfortunately, there's still an Ashton Kucha. And you still averted the apocalypse and there are still archangels. It's just the small details that are different. Like you don't drive an Impala. Yes, yes, what's an Impala? Trust me, it's not important. <laughs> and of course, Ellen and Joe are alive. Dean says, Ellen and Joe, what? Balthazar says, yes, they were supposed to be dead. You see, I saved a boat. One thing leads to another, which leads to another thousand things, and yada, yada, yada. To cut a long story short, they don't die in a massive explosion. Anyway, let's agree I did a good thing. One less Billy Zane movie, and I saved two of your closest friends. <laughs> <laughs> Sam says, but now somebody is killing the descendants of the survivors. Balthazar says, and? Sam says, and that's maybe like 50,000 people. Balthazar says, and? Dean says, and we need to save as many as we can, but we need to know who's after them. Balthazar says, oh, sorry, uh, you must have me confused with the other angel, you know, the one in the dirty trench coat who's in love with you. I don't care. Goodbye, boys. And he whooshes away. Dean says, whoa, whoa, wait, son of a bitch. So we cut to inside Bobby's house. He's on the phone with Sam and Dean on speakerphone. Bobby says, so Balthazar unsink a boat, and now we got a boatload of people who should never have been born. Sam says, yeah, like 50,000. Bobby says, makes sense. Sam says, how does any of this make sense? Bobby says, because I got an idea who we're up against. Dean says, what? Bobby says, fate. Dean says, you mean... Bobby says, I mean fate, like the fates, or one of them at least. Sam says, you mean like Greek mythology, like the sisters? Bobby says, bingo. Dean says, nerd. <laughs> Bobby, says, uh, Bobby says, these ladies are responsible for how you go down, literally. So if you get creamed by a garage door or crunched by a copy machine, they're the ones who hammer out the details of how you die. Spin out your fate on a piece of pure gold. Sam says, gold thread. Bobby says, and then one of them writes it all down in her day runner of death. It's high level stuff. Anyway, it fits. Now we know what Balthazar did. It seems to me that maybe fate is just trying to clean up the mess. Sam says, so how do we stop it? Bobby says, how do we stop fate? Good question. Dean says, well, there's got to be a way. Bobby says, or there ain't. I mean, this fate we're talking about here. I mean, this is fate we're talking about here. You know, the easiest way would be to get that angel to resync the boat. Dean says, no, no way, forget it. 
Bobby says, big difference between dying awful and ever being born, Dean. Dean says, we are not sinking the boat, Bobby, okay? Don't even think about it. Bobby says, well, okay, what's got your panties in a clinch? <laughs> Dean says, nothing. Bobby says, try that again? Dean says, look, it doesn't even really matter, but Bobby says, but? Dean says, apparently a crap load of dominoes get tipped over if the Titanic goes down. And uh, bottom line, Ellen and Joe die. Bobby looks at a picture of himself and Ellen and says, okay, you two, listen up. You make sure, keep those angels from sinking that boat. Do you understand me? Sam says, yeah. Dean says, yes. Sam says, yeah, Bobby, of course. And they hang up. Dean says, oh, he's bad enough with her. Think of how he'd be if she was gone. Sam <laughs> says, yeah, so what do we do? I mean, how do we save 50,000 people? Dean says, I got no freaking clue. Sam says, yeah, we don't even know who they are. Dean says, yeah, well, we know one. So we cut to a street outside of Russo's office. They see him walking down the sidewalk. Uh, Dean says, that's him, let's go. So Sam and Dean start following Russo. His phone rings. Russo says, hello? Yeah, what? Dean yells, Mr. Russo. Russo on the phone says, I don't care, send him a fruitcake. We see a man driving a car, sipping some coffee. Dean yells, Sean. Russo on the phone still says, who's the judge? Dean says, Russo. Russo says, all right, send him a nice bottle of champagne, but nothing more than 30. Uh, I know, 20 bucks. Believe me, this guy, he owes me. The car guy spills his coffee everywhere. Dean yells, Rufus, Rufus, Russo. <laughs> Rufus. Rufus. <laughs> Dean stops. Um, and No, Russo stops and looks at Dean. Sorry. I'm all over the place here. The <laughs> coffee guy. Yeah, I'm going to drink some Monster just a sec. <laughs> It's all good. I wish I had some caffeine, but oh, I desperately need some. Here I sit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Dean grabs uh, no the coffee guy. Yeah, here we go. The coffee guy narrowly misses running over Russo. He falls and drops his phone, and Sam helps him up. Dean grabs his phone. Russo says, "Get off of me!" To Dean, he says, "And you? I told you to leave me alone, didn't I?" Dean says, "Look, we're just trying to help you out, okay?" Russo says, help me. You almost killed me, you lunatic. Give me that. And he takes his phone back. Unbelievable. Russo hurries away, crossing the street. Dean yells, Russo, hey. Russo says, just be glad I'm not suing you. And then he gets hit by a bus. And dies. <laughs> <laughs> Dean says, you gotta be kidding me. Dean looks at the bus. On the back of the bus is an ad for Russo's law service. He says, Sam, check it out. Sam says, what? Dean points to the ad and says, too soon? Sam says, yeah, Dean, I'm pretty sure six seconds is too soon. <laughs> Sam sees Atropos uh, watching them from inside a nearby building and says, hey, I think I saw her right over there. Dean says, her? Like, fate her? Sam says, yeah. Dean says, what'd she look like? Sam says, kind of like a librarian. Dean says, your kind of librarian or my kind of librarian? <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam says, well, she was wearing clothes, if that's what you mean. <laughs> Dean says, all right. Sam says, whoa, wait, we can't just walk over there. Dean says, we're not on the hit list. We have nothing to do with the boat. Let's go talk to her. Sam says, talk. Dean says, yeah, you know. Dean pulls out his gun and says, talk, worth a shot, right? <laughs> so they go inside at the abandoned restaurant. Dean says, hello? Atropos stops time and turns the gas dials up on a couple of ovens, uh, and then she restarts time. Dean says, hello. Just then Dean's flashlight dies. He says, oh, come on. Sam says, you got a lighter? Dean says, yeah, okay, but the lighter isn't working. Sam says, oh, come on, is it out of juice or something? Dean says, it shouldn't be. 
The lighter finally works and the gas ignites. Suddenly Castiel is there and he teleports them away before they catch on fire. Uh, we cut to a forest at night. Dean says, Cass. Cass says, hello, Dean. Sam. Sam says, hey, thanks, man. Where are we? Castiel says, white Russia. Sam says, what? Dean says, are you aware of what your frat bro did? Cass says, I'm aware. Balthazar can be impetuous. <laughs> Dean says, well, riddle me this. If Fate's going after the boat people, why'd she try to waste me and Sam? Cass says, well, I gotta imagine she harbors a certain degree of rage towards you. <laughs> Sam says, what do we do? Cass says, nothing of import, just a tiny matter of averting the apocalypse and rending her obsolete. I think maybe she's a little irritated about that. And then you go and dangle yourselves in front of her. Dean says, so we pissed Fate off personally. Cass says, if I know her, and I do, she won't stop until you're dead. Dean says, awesome. So what do we do? Cass says, kill her. Sam says, kill Fate? Cass says, do you have another suggestion? Sam says, no, I mean, I just mean, can you even do that? Cass says, Balthazar has a weapon that will work against her. Dean says, of course he does. Yeah, boy, that guy's just got it covered, doesn't he? You need new friends, Cass. Cass says, I'm trying to save the ones I have, Dean. We'll draw her out. Sam says, all right, well, she's gunning for us. She's bound to resurface again eventually. Cass says, we'll make it easy for her. I think you have an expression for it. Tempting fate. So we cut to Bobby's living room. Ellen is on the phone. and She says, yeah, you be careful. To Bobby, she says, that was Joe. 30 more dead on the West Coast. What exactly do those boys think we're going to do? Bobby says, it's the boys. If anybody, can, blah, blah, blah. if anybody can pull this out of their ass, it's those two. <laughs> Ellen says, yeah, you ever hear the saying, you can't stop fate? You know, cleanest fix would just be to sink the boat. Bobby says, why would you say that? Ellen says, well, because right now they're all dying bloody. It's not the same as never being born. Bobby says, you're talking about people, people who are loved, who would be missed. Ellen says, what the hell is up with you? Bobby says, nothing. Ellen says, oh, please, you are a neon sign. So I can beat it out of you or we can just skip that part. Dealer's choice. No, so we cut I can to just some... beat it out of you if you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Ellen. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so we cut to some time later. Ellen and Bobby are sitting at the kitchen table. Ellen says, so not just me, but Joe too. Bobby says, they're not going to sink the boat. I promise. The boat stays. You don't have to worry. Ellen says, well, if it was meant to be, then I guess whatever happens, happens. Bobby says, but that's just my point. Nothing's meant to be. Whether we're together is at the whim of some dick angel. Ellen says, oh, Bobby, relax. Bobby says, I can't. We need you, especially me. Ellen says, I know. So we cut to Sam and Dean on a sidewalk. It's daytime. Dean says, okay, so we're just going to meet our fate at any time, right? Sam says, yeah, just walk. Act natural. So Sam and Dean pass a set of stairs, and a skateboarder sails right past them and almost hits them. Dean says, okay. Sam says, that's fine. A bicyclist almost runs into them, and then a man with two aggressive dogs pass them. Then they come up on some street performers who are juggling hatchets and knives. Dean says, oh, you got to be kidding me. Sam says, all right, just keep walking. Dean says, Sam, they're juggling knives and hatchets. Sam says, yeah, I know. The jugglers start juggling torches. Sam says, can't avoid fate. Sam and Dean walk right between the jugglers, but nothing happens to them. So they come across a man with a jammed nail gun. He aims it at Dean while trying to unjam it. <laughs> Dean says, ah, uh, but nothing happens. <laughs> Sam says, all right, I don't get it. Dean says, I don't either. Who do you got to kill to get killed around here? Sam says, maybe Cass was wrong. A man yells, look out. And a huge air conditioner falls out of the building Sam and Dean are passing under. And it's about to crush them when time stops. 
Cass walks up to the boys and Atropos joins him. Atropos says, Castiel. Cass says, Atropos, you look well. Atropos says, I look like stomped over crap because of you. Cass says, all right, let's talk about this. Atropos says, talk about what? Maybe about how you and those two circus clowns destroyed my work. You ruined my life. Cass says, let's not get emotional. Atropos <laughs> says, not get emotional. I had a job. God gave me a job. We all had a script. I worked hard. I was really, really good at what I did until the day of the big prize fight. And then what happens? You throw out the book. Cass says, well, I'm sorry, but freedom is more preferable. Atropos says, freedom? This is chaos. How is it better? You know, I even went to heaven just to ask what to do next. And you know what? No one would even talk to me. Cass says, there are more pressing matters at hand. Atropos says, but I don't know what happens next. I need to know. It's what I do. Cass says, I'm sorry, but your services are no longer required. Atropos says, you know what? I've kept my mouth shut. I have, I could have complained. I could have raised a fuss, but I didn't. But you know what the last straw is? Unsinking that Titanic. You change the future. You cannot change the past. That is going too far. Cass says, it's Balthazar. He's erratic. Atropos says, bullcrap. This isn't about some stupid movie. He's under your orders. You sent him back to save that ship. Cass says, no, I didn't. Why would I? Atropos says, oh, maybe because you're in the middle of a war and you're desperate? Come on, this is all about the souls. Cass says, you don't know what you're talking about. Atropos says, that angel went and created five thought. <laughs> that angel went and <laughs> created 50,000 new souls for your war machine. Cass says, you're confused. Atropos says, no, you can't just mint money, Castiel. It's wrong and dangerous. And I won't. Well, I guess you. you can, though, depending on where you live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let's not Cass go says, there. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Cass says, you don't have a choice. Achimo says, maybe I don't. So here's a choice for you. If you don't go, if you, <laughs> okay. if you don't go back and sink that boat, I'm going to kill your two favorite pets. Cass says, I won't let you. Achimo says, oh yeah, what are you going to do? Cass says, do you really want to test me? Achimo says, okay, fine. But think about this. I've got two sisters out there. They're bigger in every sense of the word. Kill me. Sam and Dean are target one for simple vengeance. You're not fighting a war or anything, right? You can watch them every millisecond of the day because maybe you've heard fate strikes when you least expect it. Castiel says, Balthazar, stop. And we see that Balthazar is behind Atropos about to stab her with his angel blade. Balthazar says, ah, awkward. Atropos says, set things right before I flick your precious boys off the cliff just on principle. Balthazar says, uh, sweetie, before we go, um, could I remove that stick from your... Atropos says, don't try me. Balthazar says, bleh. Balthazar says, oh, well, leave it inserted then. All right, let's sink the Titanic. <laughs> Time unfreezes. Atropos, Castiel, Balthazar, Sam and Dean all disappear, and the air conditioner unit falls, crashes to the ground. So we cut to Bobby's. The boys wake up in the Impala. Uh, the song My Heart Will Go On is playing on the radio. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I know. They get out of the car. Sam says, dude, what time is it? I just had the weirdest dream. Dean says, 20 bucks says mine was weirder. I am not kidding. Sam says, no, no, I'm not kidding either. Either. I mean, it was just bizarre. Dean says, mine had the actual Titanic in it. What, something on my face? Sam said, did it uh, not sink because Balthazar? Dean says, had a hate on for Billy Zane? Why are you having my dreams, dude? <laughs> then Castiel is there. Cass says, wasn't a dream. 
Gene says, wait, what? You're saying this actually happened? That whole whatever that was real? Cass says, yes. Sam says, wait, so what happened? Cass says, well, I insisted he go back in time and correct what he'd done. Sam says, what? Why? Cass says, it was the only way to be sure you were safe. Sam says, so you killed 50,000 people for us. Cass says, no, I didn't. They were never born. That's far different from being killed, wouldn't you say? Um, and that's so sweet, by the way. That Cass was like, screw those 50,000 people. I'm going to save my boys. Yeah. Yeah. My friends. I got to save them. Uh, Uh, Dean says, Ellen and Joe. Cass says, I'm sorry. Dean says, hold on. So if you guys went and changed everything back, then that whole timeline or whatever, it just got erased? Cass says, yeah, more or less. Dean says, well, then how come he and I remember it? Cass says, because I wanted you to remember it. Sam says, why? Cass says, I, want, I wanted you to know who fate really is. She's cruel and capricious. Dean says, I'd go, for, I'd go so far as bitch. Cass <laughs> says, well, yeah, you're the ones who taught me that you can make your own destiny. You don't have to be ruled by fate. You can choose freedom. I still believe that's something worth fighting for. I just wanted you to understand that. Dean says, so wait, did Balthazar really uh, unravel the sweater over a chick flick? <laughs> Cass says, yes, absolutely. That's what he did. Dean says, wow. Well, it might be time to take away his cable privileges. <laughs> Besides, Titanic didn't suck that bad. Kate Winslet's rack. Cass, whoosh, <laughs> Cass whooshes away. I love that Cass is like, I just killed 50,000 people to save you. And Dean is like, Kate Winslet's rack. And Cass is like, fuck you guys. And <laughs> just, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dean says, I'll tell you one thing about Cass. He does not appreciate the finer things. They go inside. Bobby is asleep on the couch. Sam says, I guess things are back to normal, huh? Dean says, normal. Awesome. Sam says, poor bastard. Doesn't even know how good he had it. Dean says, yeah, well, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. I say we keep our mouths shut. Sam says, yeah, I'm with you. Should we wake him? Dean says, nah, that's probably the best he's felt all week. And Dean covers up Bobby with a blanket and credits. Okay, so my thoughts. <laughs> um, I love that Balthazar wanted to change the entire course of history because he didn't like a song. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's just kind of great. Like all because of Celine Dion Uh (laughs) and the whole like, Oh, she's just like a lounge lounge singer singer. in Quebec. I think is what he said. Yep. Like, Oh man. (laughs) Yep. That's pretty bad. It was, it was bad, but it was pretty funny. Like, that's that's one thing to change history for, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, okay, do you think that? So obviously, Bobby was with Ellen in this episode. Do you think that he? I'm assuming that he was with Ellen after she was with her husband or whatever that passed away. Right, and that's not like they were there together the whole time or anything. Right. But like, yeah, I was like, would he have always been with Ellen in that case? Or like, maybe that's why they didn't show Joe because like Joe would have looked a little different if she was <laughs> somebody else's kid. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know how far down this conspiracy hole I need to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just assumed that she was with him after her dead husband. Yeah, and, and that his, Joe was actual Joe. <laughs> yeah, and that, um, 
he was with, you know, his, his wife, original wife, his, yeah. uh, his other wife first or whatever. Yeah. It's a whole lot of like wives and husbands and dying. And <laughs> yeah. Let's keep this line continued. Let's try and figure out what we're doing here. But anyways, um, yeah. I, so this is a gross story. So, you know, when the guy gets hit by the bus or the car or truck or whatever it is, it's a bus. Yep. Okay. Like he, there's a big road smear on the road. I've uh-huh. seen a road smear like that before. Oh no. It was gross. I don't know if I told this story or not, but uh-huh. I'm going to tell it again. Yeah, I don't so, think so I'll be brief about it just in case I did already tell it. But so when I was in high school, we would do these like, choir competitions in Silverwood, um, which is in Idaho. It's like, or it's, we didn't do it in Silverwood. We did it in the town, like surrounding Silverwood. Mm -hmm. And then we would go to Silverwood for the day or whatever. Anyways. And so, um, sorry, Steve is like (laughs) scratching and beating on the window back there. Oh, (laughs) it's super distracting. Okay. Anyways. So we, we're on our way back from Silverwood, I think, to our hotel, and traffic was, like, stopped, right? There was nothing going on, and I was like, what in the world is it? And we eventually, like, we got up and passed it, but there was this big, like, I think it was, like, a Suburban or something, like, a big SUV that had hit a motorcycle, and the motorcycle oh. was, like, welded to the bottom of the SUV. Like, it wasn't even touching the ground. Like, it was, like, stuck to the underside of the SUV, and then there was just, like, road smear everywhere. Oh, it's just like, oh, yuck, and we're all just like, yeah! You know, like, oh, no, 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 this is not what I wanted to see, you know? Oh, Awful. So, yeah, that was, that was my road smear story, but I was just like, I saw the road smear and I was like, I've seen a road smear like that. Yeah. I've seen like animal road smear, but that's it. Yeah. I've seen, I haven't really seen many animal road smears. I've seen a lot of dead animals on the side of the road, Mm -hmm. but like this, there wasn't like a body. It was just liquid everywhere. Oh God. That's so gross. It was disgusting. So. Jeez. And I'm assuming that they probably already, like, had blocked off traffic and had, like, picked up most of it and were just, like, picking up the pieces of machinery, you know, at that point. Right. Yeah. But, ugh. Oh, God. Yuck. That was sick. I don't don't think I'll ever forget that. Yeah. That's pretty nasty. That's horrible. But, yeah. That's my road smear story. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. from that what was your favorite moment from the episode okay um I had a favorite moment and now I can't remember what it is oh okay it's when they were trying to um tempt fate into getting them and they were they came across those street performers with uh-huh. the with the hatchets and knives and uh-huh. one of them was like dude they're juggling hatchets and knives and then uh-huh. they were like as bad as that was then they were like oh now let's juggle some fire <laughs> And Why just, not? Yeah, and the look on Sam's face was total, totally priceless. <laughs> it was great. I think I would be less afraid of fire throwing than knife throwing. I don't know. I mean, sure. I don't want to catch on fire, so. I don't want to catch on fire, but at least you have, like, more of a chance of, like, putting yourself out and not having as much damage to where if you get just, like, a hatchet stuck into you, you're pretty screwed no matter which way you slice it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. 
<laughs> I didn't see what I did there, but thanks for pointing it out. <laughs> yep. Yep. What was your favorite moment? Lordy. Okay. Um, so I think my favorite part of this episode was when the boys wake up in baby and my heart will go on is playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or when like Dean was like, accidents don't just happen accidentally. <laughs> yeah, I love that line so like, much. That one was pretty good, but my, I think my favorite moment was definitely when they woke up and Celine Dion is blasting throughout the Impala because that's yeah. not something that they would normally listen to. Nope, nope. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's it. Um, so for our interesting facts, we have, uh oh, there we go. It ran off for a second. So um, this says the name of the hotel Sam and Dean stay at is the White Star Motel, which alludes to White Star Lane, the owners of the Titanic. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I didn't know either. Um, it says the business cards in a book on the travel agent's desk all feature the name E.J. Smith, um, which is the name of the captain of the RMS Titanic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the beer bottle in the first scene shows an image of an iceberg. Um, hmm. I don't even remember. Like, I remember a beer bottle vaguely, but I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't look at the label. Mm -mm. Um, it says at the travel agency, there are posters on the wall for Detroit as America's top city and one for Cuba. Um, since Detroit has been in decline for decades now and Cuba at that time was still under a trade embargo that barred tourist travel. Um, this reflects differences in the new timeline. So mm -hmm. people are allowed to go to Cuba. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is Eric Kripke, the show's creator, originally envisioned the Winchester boys driving a 1965 Ford Mustang um, in the alternate timeline, the timeline, not time lane. <laughs> they drive a 1967 Ford Mustang fastback. Okay. Which I'm glad they have them, Paula. Yeah, me too. Because it's just better. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just better all the way around. Yeah, I agree. Um, it says at the beginning of the episode, Sam and Dean play rock, paper, scissors to see who will have to talk to Bobby. Um, this is interesting because Dean always throws scissors losing to Sam, which Sam pointed out in a previous episode. Um, in this scene, Dean throws scissors and beats Sam for the first time in the series. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think Sam wasn't paying attention and forgot. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I was like, wait, Dean won. What the heck? Either that or Sam was like, fine, I'll do it. Yeah. No. Which yeah. is possible. Um, it says, Sam tells Balthazar, Balthazar, <laughs> Sam tells Balthazar, oh man, you totally butterfly affected history. Um, he's referring to the chaos theory principle that a small change in the initial condition of a system will result in larger changes in later conditions. Mm -hmm. um, the number plate... Uh, of the car Dean and Sam get into after being kicked out of Bobby's in the start is the old Impala number plate, which is KAZ2Y5, um, which is not what they have anymore because they had to change their plates and everything. But, right, yeah. Um, it says, during the episode, a number of characters regard the difference between dying and never being born. Um, it's the same sentence Dean says in Supernatural. Uh, the song remains the same, um, which is from... 2010, um, there's a big difference between dying and never being born. I so, remember that. Yeah. I, well, 2000, so this is, so this would have been last season, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe 2010 would be season five, right? Yep. So yeah, I don't remember that. I mean, I vaguely remember it. Oh wait. Um, it's when they're telling their mom to not go into the room or not to make. The, yeah, not, yeah. Not to make the deal. Is it not to make the deal? It's, no, to leave John, so that way they oh, so were never born. born. Right. And then gotcha. she's like, uh, "It's too late," you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pregnant. Yeah, so that's a thing, you know? <laughs> yep. Um, it says, the name of this episode is a nod to the movie Titanic. Um, back in his early modeling days, Jensen Ackles modeled for a company that made and sold a version of the Heart of the Ocean necklace from the movie. Um, he was photographed holding the necklace in print ads. I need to find that. <laughs> I've seen it. You have? I have seen it, yeah. I need to find it. Good grief. Okay. Um, it says the episode features many Final Destination references, whether intentional or unintentional. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> uh, the plots both follow a group of people dying after escaping fate, and both even feature a character being run down by a bus right in front of the main characters as they stand by and watch in horror. Yep. Um, when Sam tells Balthazar that he butterfly affected history, he's referring to the Ashton Kutcher movie, uh, the butterfly effect from 2004. Um, even Dean says no Kutcher references. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the episode aired on the 99th anniversary of the Titanic sinking. Whoa, weird. Which is kind of interesting. Um, it says when Sam and Dean wake up in the car, the song, my heart will go on is playing, which is the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, it says several deaths are referencing Final Destination, which is already said. So there's that. Um, it says in the scene where Dean tries to stop the lawyer from being killed, uh, the bus that kills the lawyer has a bus number that reads 666 in the back window above the advertisement of the lawyer's face. Oh. Which I didn't notice. Um <clears throat> It says, in the alternate timeline, there is a photo of Bobby and Ellen outside of Bobby's place by a sign that reads B&E Repair Shop, as in Bobby and Ellen, instead of the usual Singer Auto, which we can see when the boys return to the original timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, the body count in this episode is 1,520. Um, Mr. Russo, Anne Whitting, Sean Russo, and 1,517 Titanic pas- passengers. Damn. So, yeah, that's our, it's our interesting facts. Um, our research, go figure, <laughs> is on uh, the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. Almost was the Titanic. But there's not a whole lot of, like, I'm sure there's prop. oh, we should have looked that up to see if there's any, like, haunted Titanic artifacts. Ooh, we should have. I it. doubt there's anything, though. Yeah. Well, Well, if y'all look that up, huh? We can check. We can check. But if you guys look that up and find anything, let us know because um, that's pretty awesome and I want to know about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this is from Ranker because we love him. (laughs) We do love Ranker. And we can't stay away. (laughs) Um, So this is people share their weirdest real life butterfly effect stories. Um, it says the term butterfly effect has been around for a long time, but for better or worse, it was popularized by the 2004 Ashton Kutcher movie. 
Um, for anyone unfamiliar, the butterfly effect describes the phenomena in which one random event or choice impacts something seemingly unrelated, um, like the old myth about how a butterfly flapping its wings can cause a hurricane in another part of the world. Mm -hmm. um, the butterfly effect is often used in movies, shows, and books to explain time travel and how doing something like stepping on a butterfly in the past can domino into the apocalypse in the future. Um, as evidenced by Reddit, <laughs> there doesn't need to be a sci-fi hook um, for butterfly effect stories to happen. You just need to trace a major event back far enough. Yeah. Um, so this, these are all stories off of Reddit that okay. people have submitted. Um, it says a mother's broken leg led to her son getting a younger brother. <laughs> oh my. Um, it says my mother wore heels to work and slipped on the carpeted steps, resulting in a broken high heel and a broken leg. While she was home recovering, she somehow developed allergies that led her to needing an inhaler. Um, the inhaler interfered with her birth control. And now I have a brother 13 years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's an edit that says the mother confirmed that it was the penicillin that she was prescribed. <laughs> ah. Because, <laughs> you know, antibiotics, man, they don't make your birth control work. That's right. <laughs> um, it says a friend's passing led her friend to a master's degree in French. <laughs> um, it says, grew up speaking Spanish, so in high school, my mom made me sign up for French. I didn't really care, but I figured whatever, at least it's something new. I was a good kid, a bit of a cut up with absolutely zero direction. <laughs> um, in that class, I met a girl and we sort of became friends. She got sick that year from cancer. It was horrible. Uh, visited her in the hospital, got close to her family and still, he, or still is close to the family. Um, and she passed the following year. French, it turns out, was her favorite subject and her dream had been to study abroad. Her parents asked if we, her friends from the class, could do that for her. I feel like that's a strange request. Like, I know this isn't what you wanted to study, but she wanted to study this, so you should study this. Yeah, it's a little weird. That's a little strange. Um, it says, the years went on. I worked every summer to try and save up to study abroad. I noticed the others who had made the promise weren't making moves towards it, so I worked even harder. Finally went for a semester my third year. To the fair, I always enjoyed French, but it wasn't a passion. Except that semester, something kind of shifted. Came home, finished undergrad, then got a or got into a master's in French. The whole time, my friend's mom is excited, feeling like my friend is somehow vicariously living through me. Mm. <laughs> I graduated from my master's and then moved back to France. Um, been here three years now, and May 1st was the 11th anniversary of friend's passing. Um, it, it says, as I type it out, it's not so outwardly obvious, but the entire time it's been so clear for me that she's been with me on this journey. Mm. Um this one uh, is not getting into an AP history class led one person to a career in healthcare. <laughs> um, it says high school, I didn't get into my AP history class I wanted. Changed up my schedule, including a different gym class without everyone I knew. I was heartbroken. I really wanted to teach and without an AP class senior year, I was screwed. Um, made a new friend in gym class who was wearing a volunteer firefighter shirt. He had just joined, uh, seemed interesting, and he invited me to check it out. They paid for me to get my EMT, and I fell in love with healthcare. Fast forward quite a while, and I'm an ER nurse and a precept students, er, and precept students and new nurses, teaching them how to survive in the ER. I also do public outreach and injury prevention, and I love it. Glad I missed out on my class. Yeah. 
<laughs> this one's good. A roommate's diarrhea helped a man find his wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this says, I was going out to grab pizza and a case of beer for me and my roommate, but he texted me he had a stomach thing, so I walked to a restaurant and ordered dinner at the bar and met a girl there, and now we are married and have two kids because my roommate had diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> this one says an overdrawn bank account led to four marriages and five kids. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> says I was just out of high school and new in town with no job. I was living off what savings I had left and my account went below zero without me knowing. Um, I was overdraft charged like 10 times and owed 300 plus dollars. I went down to the bank, spoke with a teller, and she ended up being a lifesaver. She worked with me and got all the charges removed. On top of getting the charges removed, we got to talk. We got to talking about my situation, and she said that her son worked at a local restaurant, and she would help me get a job. She was a woman of her word, and by the end of the week, I was working full time. Fast forward, I met a cool dude who worked there. We became friends. I introduced him to my sister. They fell in love, got married, and had two kids. His best friend came into town for the wedding, and I introduced him to my roommate at the time. They fell in love, got married, and had two babies. <laughs> I also got my best friend a job at the restaurant where he met a girl working there. They fell in love, got married, and had a kid. <laughs> right before I left, I got my roommate a job at the restaurant where he met a customer, fell in love, got married, and had a kid. As a bonus, my best friend, who I helped get the job, repaid the favor and got me a job at a different restaurant where I met a girl, fell in love, and got married. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> It's, that's quite a lot of marriages that have one yeah. restaurant job, you know? It is. <laughs> it's impressive. Um, this one says, an arrest for growing weed helped a man find his wife. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, this one says, got arrested for growing weed, moved back home. Got first job I could at Ikea. After, after working there for over a year, randomly decided to check Craigslist for jobs and saw an opening at a cafe and they were hiring right then, so I instinctively went for it. The cafe was connected and owned by one of the most popular brew pubs slash beer gardens in the area. Um, they hired me to host there, quickly worked my way up the ranks, um, and eventually to bar manager. Um, met girl of my dreams. We are now married with two amazing kids. Opened two more restaurants with them and currently assistant director um, of operation. And I am currently, some of these the punctuation and the grammar is just not good. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, opened two more restaurants with them, and I am currently assistant director of operations, overseeing three restaurants at three, five, and eight million a year in sales. Love my job, love my family, love my life. No idea what I'd be doing if I never got arrested or never applied for the cafe job. Huh. Um, this one says one coin flip led a person to his school, career, and relationship. Um, almost everything that has happened in my life for the past eight years is a direct result of me literally flipping a coin to decide between two colleges. <laughs> I play the sport I do. I have the friends I do. I'm dating the person I am. And near, very nearly every other aspect of my life is because a nickel landed on heads. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I guess that's one way to do it. I have heard if you have a tough decision to make that if you flip a coin, and like, it's like, okay, I'm either going to do this or I'm going to do this. And I'm not sure which one I want to do or which one I should do. Like you flip a coin and say like, okay, if it's heads, it's this decision. And then if you get heads and that decision comes up and you're like, oh, then that's not what you should do. And you should do the other thing, you know? Right, 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 right. So that makes sense. I mean, 
that could work in multiple ways. If you really don't know and you really don't care, then great. You know, like just flip a coin for it. But also it could tell you if you really do want to do the thing. You yeah, know? for sure. Um, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I think I hear an echo. Are your headphones plugged in? Mm-hmm. They are? Okay. Maybe yep. I'm hearing some animals in the background then. Mm, no. <laughs> They're all snoozing. Well, except for Steve. He's staring kind of viciously out the window at the hummingbird. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> He's like dead stuck on this hummingbird. Just like, come here, little bugger. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he could do anything about it because it's outside, but still. Yep. He is hardcore staring it down. But yeah. No, I think it's just because I'm in a room that doesn't have any carpet. So oh, okay. I think it's probably the whole thing is just going to be a little echoey. <laughs> okay. No worries. But, um, so anyway, um, this one is a guy met his girlfriend after getting a former friend into a ska band, I think is how you say that. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Um, it says, when I was at college, I had this buddy who used to give a, or who I used to give a ride to and from the campus each day because we lived a couple of streets apart. One morning, I've got Goldfinger, the ska band, not the Bond movie, <laughs> playing on my CD player in my car. He'd never heard them before, really dug it, and asked me about them. It was the day before Easter break, and he was like, cool, I'll check them out. Cut to two weeks later, he's telling me how he's bought all their records, got his long-distance girlfriend into them, and when he visited her, he was basically listening to nothing but, er, wait, what? Got his long-distance girlfriend into them when he visited her and has basically listened to nothing but them since we spoke about it. Okay. And I was like, that, it's just me reading it weird. Mm -hmm. Um, it says, I feel good for helping a buddy discover his new favorite band, but I think, but think nothing more of it. That summer, me and this dude have a falling out long story, but the, the bottom line is that he screwed me out of nearly a thousand euros. And a bit later I stopped seeing him around after a while, a mutual friend tells me he's dropped out and moved away. The next summer, a friend of mine asked me if I want a ticket to see Real Big Fish that evening. His sister was supposed to go, but is really sick and can't. I say, sure, and tag along. We get there, and it turns out the support band is Goldfinger, which is pretty cool. So we're sitting there, or we're standing there having a beer in between bands, and I clumsily knock, some, knock into some girl who's walking past. Wait, what? These sentences. So we're standing there having a beer in between bands, and I clumsily knock some girl who is walking past drink out of her hand. Okay. Um, I turn and apologize and offer to buy her a replacement. Um, while we're waiting at the bar, we get to talking and we're going on pretty or getting on pretty well. Me and my friend end up hanging out with her and her sisters the whole night, having a great time. And me and this girl end up exchanging numbers. Cut forward again, a couple of years, me and said girl had been together basically since that night, we're moving in together and it's going great. The night we move in together, we're sitting amongst all of our boxes of shit on the only seats that are unpacked. And I say something like, imagine if I hadn't taken friends offer to go to that RBF show that night. <laughs> RBF. Oh no. We'd never have met. She's like, not only that, imagine if you hadn't bumped into me and we hadn't got into talking. Our original plan that night was to leave after Goldfinger played as they were the only band we were bothered about seeing. I commented something about how I really liked them or something. And I forget what then she and then I ask how she got into them and I'm paraphrasing but the long and short of it was oh my sister got me into them her douchebag ex-boyfriend got her into them they were long distance while she studied in the U.S. they used to go to shows together when he would visit he's actually from around here I think yep same dude that I used to give rides to oh, <laughs> oh weird. <laughs> my buddy who was with me at the show actually ended up marrying the sister in the question 
the sister in question last year. Um, it says, managed to set myself and a buddy up with serious relationships just by show, introducing some random dude who I used to give a ride to school with a band that I liked. Um, it says, to add clarity to this, I will say me and said girl are no longer together anymore. This is all quite a few years ago now. Um, we remain very close friends to the day, this day and were respectively best man and maid of honor at my friend slash her sister's wedding last year. Um, it says, she's married to a lovely lady from Scotland and has been so, had, and has been for four or so years now. Um, and, you know, talking about like how they've adopted their first son and blah, 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 blah. So, you know. Huh. All sorts of like, <laughs> wow, it's quite the roundabout story, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, this one is a person's first Tinder match led to a cushy job overseas. <laughs> okay. Uh, it says was pretty lost after graduating university, ended up having a few too many drinks, installing Tinder and swiping exactly one time. <laughs> Matched with the first person and we started dating, doubled down on staying in that state rather than going home. Got a shit job for no money that ended up working out tremendously. Um, promoting me, sending me overseas to an amazing new country and paying off six figures of student debt in three years with uh, money in the bank. All because I moved my finger slightly to one direction. <laughs> Man, listen, how come I can't get my student loans paid off like that? That'd be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> um, this one says, finishing a beer saved a couple from getting hit by a car. Um, it says, the wife and I were having dinner in Hawaii one night on vacation. As we were getting up to leave, I noticed she hadn't finished her beer. I told her she should finish the beer since we paid some ridiculous price for it. Fast forward to 30 seconds and we leave the restaurant and we're walking three blocks back to the hotel. About 50 feet in front of us, as we're walking, we're walking down a sidewalk on the left side of the road, a car comes flying out of the side street from the right and crosses through the street, um, hops on the sidewalk in front of us and smashes into a wall. If she didn't finish her beer, we, would, we likely would have been smoked by the car and would have been squished between the car and the wall. We always finish our beer now. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's lucky, man. Jeez. For real. So this last one is one person moving an indoor potted plant led to a car accident. I could pretty much see where that one could happen though. Like, mm -hmm. um, it says I moved a potted plant on one side of an elevator about three inches up to be symmetrical with the other. The guy walks in and breaks his toe on it. I think he was running and on the way into the ER in his car with a coworker driving, they got into a car wreck. Oh, no. I made you break your toe and then get into a car wreck on the way to the hospital. Yeah, that sucks. But yeah, so those are, um, <laughs> those are our butterfly effect stories that we found. Mm -hmm. um, so what was your Ijderaspet moment from this week? Okay. Um, well, I used to smoke cigarettes. I think I mentioned that on this podcast before. I quit I so. when I, yeah, I quit when I got shingles um, because I got too sick to walk my ass outside to smoke cigarettes. So that's why I quit smoking, but I've always, I've always, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad, obviously I'm glad that I don't smoke anymore, but I've always loved it. Yeah. So the other night I had this dream and I don't even remember anymore what happened in the dream, except that I was chain smoking, just like <laughs> cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. And it was glorious. <laughs> and so <laughs> I woke up and I, and I, I was laying there in bed and I thought that it, had actually happened. Oh, no. I thought that the day before I had actually smoked a bunch 
to cigarettes and I felt so guilty. I was laying there and I was like, oh my God, because for some reason I didn't think Eric knew. And I was like, I'm going to have to like confess to Eric that I smoked like a pack of cigarettes the day before. And do I smell like it? And oh my God, I'm going to die of cancer. And like, I just, I just like freaked out. I had this huge freak out at like five in the morning, like, oh no, what have I done? Oh no. <laughs> and then I slowly realized that it was just a dream. So, well, yay! I didn't yay. smoke. <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah. Yep. That happens to me from time to time. Like once or twice a year, I'll have this dream. It's not the same dream every time, but I'll smoke a cigarette or two. But yeah. in this one, I literally smoked like a whole pack of cigarettes, and it was just fucking phenomenal. <laughs> you know. Yeah, oh, I I know it's so bad for you, but I've just always loved it. So, see, I can't like the smell of cigarettes. Like, I can't deal with it. You know, oh, I like it. Like that, and that alone is enough to just kind of like, mm-mm, you know, like, I don't like it when people smell like cigarettes. Like that's really gross. But like the smell of like a, a cigarette burning to me smells good. Oh. Yeah. See, yeah, I guess it, like the smell of a cigarette burning isn't as bad, but it's still not good. But the smell of somebody that smells like like stale smoke or whatever, because that happens to me every once in a while. I'll like have a client that comes in and I'm working on them and it's just like the whole room gets like filled with stale cigarette smoke. And then the more they talk, the more yeah. it like, escapes, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> I've, there's been a couple like awful where I'm just like, ooh man, you know, like. You could just, doesn't even matter, like, you could just smell it, like, coming out of their pores. Yeah, it's so gross. That is so gross. I know. That's one of those, one of those reasons why I'm glad I quit smoking. I had a guy one time that I worked on that was, like, a really, really heavy smoker. He was an older guy. And I, every time he would come in, I would work on him, and my hands would turn gray by the end of the hour because it was coming out of his pores so bad and he smoked so much that it was like literally like coming out of his skin and so like I would you know get the lotion on his skin or whatever it puts the lotion on its skin (laughs) (laughs) anyway but and so I would like you know go to oh the mailman just pulled up so I'm hoping that there's no barking that's gonna oh nope it's gone okay anyways I was like "Uh uh-oh yeah um but yeah like my hands would be like gray and like kind of gross like just like discolored from working on him that was nasty that is so gross man yeah ugh. mm -mm. (laughs) yeah well what was your rigid or aspect moment uh so mine (laughs) freaking chase i hate them like i hate them and i'm going to close down my accounts with them because i can't deal with it but so basically they've been i have this account that i set up it was kind of like through my dad's account sort of for when I got married it was like oh well here let's just set up a separate account to where you can like put the money for the wedding into and like spend it all out of one account instead of trying to like keep track of it coming out of a bunch of different places and I was like okay you know whatever it makes sense like let's do it and I was like okay I need to set up an account and they're like oh well if you set up an account it's going to have this amount of fees on it and you're going to have to like have this amount of money in there at all times and I was like well I don't want to do that and my dad's like well you know I have enough accounts with them and I have enough money in the bank with them to where they aren't going to do that to me. And so we talked to the guy and he's like, Oh yeah, no, like you can set up an account, like have it 
through both of yours. And since he's on it, it won't have any fees or charges of any variety on there. Right. Okay. And I'm like, okay. Cause like, I just wanted to like have the account and then close it down once I was done with all of that. But then I ended up kind of keeping it because it's like, oh, well I can put like money into this and this will be like for my going to convention, you know, things or whatever, you know, like, mm -hmm. so I looked on cause I never go in that account. Really. I looked on it the other day and I have months and months and months of $12 fees every month for this account. And I'm like, what in the heck, you know, like what is going on? What is this from? And I ta I called Chase and I'm talking to the lady on the phone and she's like, Oh, well, you know, like it's because the type of account it is, it's, you know, that's, it has charges on it. And I'm like, no, because I wouldn't have set up this account if it had the charges on it. Like I right. set this up very specifically because it didn't have that, you know, and I was like, I for 100% would not have set up this account if it had charges on it like this because I wasn't planning on using it and like keeping a X amount of money in it. I was just going to use it until it was gone. And then I decided to, oh, well, since it doesn't have any account or like any charges, I'll just keep it open and keep, you know, throwing money in there every once in a while. Yeah. And so she's like, no, that's not the type of account it is. I'm like, I am telling you that it is <laughs> like, I would not have set up the account, but whatever. I was like, you need to reverse these fees because this is not supposed to have, she's like, well, now that you know that it's, you know, this type of account, you're going to get fees from now on just so you know. And also I was like, okay, well fine. Then once I was like, once the fees get reversed and I get paid and she's like, well, we can only go back to like this date or whatever. And we can only give you like, I think it's like six months of fees or something back. And I was like, no, you know, like this is not yeah. how this is going to happen. I was like, fine, but whatever. I, just so you know, I'm shutting down this account once this goes through. So when is the money supposed to come through that I am getting, you know, reimbursed for? And she's like, mm, you can do that. That's up to you. That's up to your discretion. You know, like pretty much just like, screw you, go close down your account. See if I care. You know, like she was like arguing with me about it, like, and getting like super snotty about it. And I'm sitting there going, what in the heck? Like you would think that you would want me to have your business, not like, you know, be like, mm, fine. Yeah. Get rid of us. See if I care. You know? Like, yeah. That's crazy. It's like, Oh my gosh. So yeah. So that was a whole thing. I had to like get on the phone with her and argue and blah, blah, blah about this. And it's like, uh, so now I'm in the process of trying to figure out when and how to, well, I want to get all the other money back that they took out of the account too. Cause it's been like a year and a half and I didn't know that. Cause my dad, got rid of them. And so, and that's probably why, because it wasn't connected to his account anymore, which is why I was getting the fees because I didn't have fees before. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, which is fine, whatever, but like, they didn't tell me that this was going to happen or they didn't tell him or they didn't, you know, whatever. Like nobody knew that if he took, cause it's like, Oh, this account's already set up. It shouldn't change just because, right. You know, I like one of the people is off of the account now, you know? Yeah. And so, it was a whole thing, but yeah. So now I'm having to go through the whole process of like, I'm going to ditch chase and go with somebody else, you know, some sort of credit union, but you've had such bad luck lately with like accounts and banks like are just, yeah. <laughs> they're just being ass butts to me lately. Like, yeah. I don't know what is going on with all these different fees and I'll have to deal with all these different like random charges. I'm like, I'm over it. Like I'm so done. So if you guys are in the state of Washington and have a credit union that you really like, let me know because I'm looking. <laughs> yeah. I used to go with BECU and I really liked them. They were decent to me. I, I do. 
I, so I have an account through them, but they don't, it's for my car loan. Yeah. But they don't have any branches around where I am. Oh, they I They don't see. exist. So there's only a couple of them really around where I am. So I'm hoping, I mean, granted to be fair, like where I work, there's a couple more. So I might be able to just like deal with that that way, but yeah. we'll see. I don't know. I'm just kind of like, ugh, you know? <laughs> yeah, that sucks. So anyways, but that's my story is Chase is a big old ass, but, and they, they're about to lose another person because my mm-hmm. whole family has already left them because of all the random fees and all that sort of stuff. And I'm the only one that stuck around because I was like, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal for me. I haven't really had any issues. And now all of a sudden I'm having all these issues. So mm-hmm. bye-bye birdie. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can email us at idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out or visit our Facebook page, Idgits and Aspects, a supernatural podcast. You can also find us on Instagram. Thanks again. Thank you.